Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, people? Welcome to Paint Points. As usual, I'm your host, Jake Painting. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the SB Nation Podcast Network and the Canis Hoopers family. <sighs> well, we almost got through an entire off-season, almost, without making headlines and without being the team thrust solely in the sights of the media in, in a bad way. But, what is it, six, five, six days before... Media day and, and training camp. The Timberwolves uh, are back in the spotlight and not in a good way. Obviously, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you've heard that, that Gerson Rosas was relieved of his duties on Wednesday. Um, pretty messy situation. A lot to, to work through. Sachin Gupta takes over as the president of basketball operations. Uh, just kind of turmoil throughout the, the organization. Carl Anthony Towns is tweeting about it. The, it's everywhere, all over the media. So to, to dive into a few things surrounding that subject is Jack Borman, Chain of Supers contributor, friend of the show. Jack, what's going on, man? Oh, man, it was, it was crazy. Uh, crazy day <laughs> yesterday. Um, you know, I, I tweeted this out yesterday, but... Um, you know, I, I was down at Mayo Clinic Square, um, where the Timberwolves practice, um, where all the Timberwolves offices are. Um, I was down there for Lynx practice yesterday. Um, was standing right next to Cheryl Reeve, <laughs> doing media availability with with her and and, and Kent Youngblood of the Star Tribune and, and Jace Frederick of the Pioneer Press. Um, you know, when the news broke, and then um, you want to talk about weird vibes? Like the, the vibes <laughs> were the vibes were weird down there. Um, and it, it was just, a, it was a surreal day and, um, you know, kind of knowing some of what had, you know, happened, I guess before all of it got reported was, was just a weird feeling. And, um, you know, I, you know, I, I think Dane said this, uh, on his podcast that he, he just didn't envy, you know, the job of people who had to dig for more information and, you know, I, I completely echo that. Um, I mean, even for him, like the position that he's in, um, I'm sure, you know, wasn't, wasn't fun. And same, same goes for Britt and Jason and Chris and, um, you know, Chris Long, Doogie Wolfson, all the people that, that go in to, you know, cover the team, um, in various capacities was, was just crazy. Um, and so, yeah, man, um, really, really just an unfortunate situation, but, um, you know, hopefully, you know, if, if, you know, the reports are that, that he was probably going to be fired at some point anyways, um, you know, hopefully it's, it's good in the sense that, um, you know, the Timberwolves can kind of start to turn a new leaf and that you kind of get rid of, um, you know, some of the toxicity in the franchise and, um, and you can, you can kind of start towards kind of building towards a better tomorrow. 
um, you know, as, as soon as possible with, with a guy who, who by all accounts is, is a phenomenal human being in, in Sachin Gupta and, um, and a guy who, who is making history in all of this, which, which cannot go uh, forgotten. He is, he is the first person of Indian descent to run an NBA franchise, um, which is a, a massive, ma- massive deal um, and, and something that, that I, I really hope to, does not get lost in, um, in, in the just selfishness and, um, and just general jackassness that, that took place, um, you know, on Saturday and, and reportedly even, even before that. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm personally, you know, just still trying to catch my breath from, from everything that, that happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Wednesday, Wednesday, or excuse me. Yeah. Wednesday here, here in the United States. Um, and, and yeah, hopefully, hopefully media day and, uh, in the, in training camp next week, will will we'll give us some more, more, you know, basketball things to talk about. And, um, and man, I'm just really fucking excited to see Anthony Edwards, um, content back on, back on Timberwolves <laughs> social feeds and, and, and seeing videos of him and, and, you know, Malik Beasley and Pat Bev and, you know, goofing around and just, just playing hoops. I'm excited. So overall, you know, tough day yesterday, but, but in the long run, I, I do think that, you know, that, that the moves that were made yesterday were, were for the best. Yeah, I, th- I think there's going to be some all-time media day quotes from Anthony Edwards when he's asked about the situation. Either just complete well, nonchalance. Did you see? Or... His, did you see his Instagram story? Like oh, there was somebody that tweeted it was like, dog. yeah, it was like the entire Timberwolves franchise is imploding. Meanwhile, Anthony Edwards, that's like a video of his dog like falling off his couch, <laughs> like just like oh, it's it's perfect, man. I just like I hope that they wrap that dude in like emotional social physical bubble wrap and that he's just like this forever because man he he just brightens everybody's day <laughs> no matter yeah, who you are or what you do i think he is kind of like an embodiment of how much like of what this team needs to be in terms of on-court you know production and from an on-court standpoint like this i don't want to say this doesn't matter because like clearly it does that would be the understatement of the century but like, from an on-court perspective, I don't really think anything's changed. And if anything has changed, it's for the better because, like, there's never there's never a good time to, to you know, clear the skeletons from your closet. There's never a good time to, to wipe away the toxicity that clearly has been bubbling underneath the surface for months now or, you know, maybe even longer. And, like, whether it was five days before training camp, whether it was five days before the draft, whether it's midway through the season, like no matter what, it's dysfunctional. That's going to be painted as dysfunctional because that's what it is. And it's, yeah, there's, there's never a good time in the NBA year to get rid of your lead executive, especially after what, two and a bit years of being in charge, which is remarkably short for an executive, even, right. you know, there's been really bad executives that have lasted five years. Like, but from an on-court standpoint, is there anything you like? Do you think this is different at all? Like, do you think this matters when when preseason starts and when training camp starts? Like, does this change at all to you? No, I I don't think it changes much. Um, you know, in the interim, um, you know, Chris Finch is still going to coach the team. Um, Dan Moore reported yesterday that um, you know that Chris Finch has fans at every level of the organization, and that his job is is extremely safe, and that there are no plans to you know, to remove him as head coach, which is, which is great because Chris, Chris Finch has been unbelievable, um, in his time. I mean, you know, when, when Kat Ant and, and D'Lo played here, 
um, together the second half of the season. They had the best offensive rating in the NBA. Um, that includes being better than the, the all-time record that the Nets set over the course of the entire regular season. Um, they had a top five net rating. Um, and a lot of that has to do with Chris Finch and the, and the way that he kind of, you know, played his hand. Um, you know, he was dealt the same same deck of cards that, um, you know, that Ryan Saunders was at the very start of the year, at least. Um, obviously, you know, Saunders had a bunch of injuries here and there, but like Finch also didn't have, um, you know, Finch also didn't have, you know, uh, D'Angelo Russell for a good chunk of, of his time and, and didn't have Malik Beasley really at all. Um, so when, you know, when you think about it in that way, um, you know, especially with Ant, uh, what he was able to get done with Ant was, was spectacular. Um, and so, you know, the only thing that I can think of, of, of how the on-court basketball might change now that Rosas is gone is that, you know, we knew that Rosas had a lot of mandates for Ryan Saunders, um, you know, to play really, really fast, that, that Rosas was addicted to pace and, um, you know, and, and shooting more threes and, um, and that type of thing. And, you know, I don't know what type of, uh, you know, I think Chris Finch called them bumpers that they'd put on players. Um, or, you know, styles of play that they wanted guys to have or positions on the floor guy they wanted guys to play. Like, I don't know what type of, uh, I don't know what type of mandates he had on Finch. Um, just given that he had a much closer relationship with Finch, um, you know, and longer history with him than Saunders. Um, so that's, that's really the only thing I can think of. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully we get more of that, that <laughs> best offensive rating and, and, Really, really strong net rating as well. Um, you know, once once the season gets rolling here, and Jesus, what is it? Four weeks, three weeks. So, preseason is in ten days. I think the fourth of October is the first preseason game. Yeah, like, I. Uh, it's come around I, so quick, it's, man. It's tough. I mean, I'm going to be out of town from October first through October eighth. So, um, so I'm going to miss miss a decent chunk of the preseason, um, which will which will be interesting, but. Man, it is. Uh, it's cra- it's crazy how 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 fast we're, we're already here. So, yeah, it's uh, and it's just nice to. I think it's a good distraction from all of this because if this was the the story that had to had to bubble over and and dominate the headlines for the next two, three, four, five weeks, you know, longer, maybe two, three months. If this was at the start of the off season, I think it would just be awful. Like. I think a good distraction from this will be able to see the team get out there. I think, you know, Pat Bev and Torian Prince are all, uh, you know, very good additions to a team that, that had been looking pretty good, like you said. Like, they they definitely took major leaps in the, in the final part of the season. What does, like, what does, what does Gupta do for this team? Like, do you think this, do you think there's a, a mold there that you, that you believe he's going to slot into or, or is it just a, a wait and see, I guess, with him? Yeah, I mean, I th- I think he, he's been around a, a lot of really, really smart and innovative thinkers in his time in the NBA. Um, people that have been disruptive um, in, in a good way. Um, you know, I, I think Hinky really introduced the idea of tanking and, and the value that, you know, trying to, you know, trying to really find guys on the margins, um, even when you know you're not going to be great, that you can sign it at value, you know, contracts for long term so that if, you know, some of these guys you do tank for end up, you know, working out that, um, 
that you have some of those complementary pieces in place on team friendly deals, you know, that that's something that you can, you can look at with Hinky. And then, um, you know, and, and with Hinky too, like, I feel like they had a ton of draft picks. Um, you know, that was something that, that was a big thing. And so, you know, when you combine that with, with Gupta's mind, um, you know, he's a computer science degree from MIT. He has an MBA from, from Stanford business school. Um, he's worked for Daryl Morey in Houston um, and wrote the, wrote the code for the trade machine and, and kind of played a similar role, um, you know, under Sam Hinkey as EVP of, of B-Ball Ops there. So, I mean, he's been in, in that type of seat now for like four or five years. Um, and, and so he obviously has seen, you know, he's seen four different guys do it, um, in, including Rosas. And, and I think that he, he knows kind of, exactly what the job requires, what it takes in, in the type of, you know, preparation and leadership and, um, and just, just the work that goes into it and how you can rely on all of the people in your front office to, to, to do those tasks, um, and kind of, you know, work together in a complementary and harmonious way to, to achieve whatever goals you may have. Um, and, and it, and the vibe that, that we got from, from the reporting from John, um, was that Rosas would go rogue and that Rosas would, would shut out some people who, you know, in a vacuum opinions really matter or, you know, work has, had been crucial to, to getting that thing near the finish line. Um, and, and whose voices, you know, should definitely have a seat at the table and definitely have a vote in, in the overall say of what happens and what the front office does. And, well, and, that's just no point. There's no point having these guys there if they if their input is yeah completely ignored. Yeah, like, ex- and, and, and I get that. I get that Rosas is going to make the decisions. Like that's his job is to to factor in all of these opinions and to to make the decisions. And sometimes every front office, the the lead executive is going to override the the consensus of the of the the rest of the front office because at the end of the day, that's their job. And I think that he did that for the Russell trade. I think. Especially with the with what's being reported with the the pick protections, but I there's a it gets to a point where if if you're making all these guys do this work and you're hiring guys with great reputations like like Gupta and, and Joe Branch and Gianluca Pascucci, like if all these guys have really great reputations around the league, they come with high regard. If you're not going to listen to them, if you like you said go rogue and and, and kind of just stick to this this dogmatic approach to to what's in, in your head like like Rosas is clearly doing it just starts to like nothing starts to make sense with with his leadership and seems like that was the way it was going and I think it's a good thing that Dufta it's not a good thing but it's a good thing that he I guess lived through that and like you said he's he's been through diverse front offices but I think that he was able to watch the, the demise of Rosas and and I guess note down what works and what doesn't work and why it doesn't work. And he seemed to be the main guy that that clashed with the the idea that it has to be so dogmatic and so you know straight from Rosas way or the highway. Uh, I think that really works in his favour because now he comes in with the with the view that he needs to be different to that and he needs to get this this front office working together and and really get the the connection from the top of the organization all the way down to the to the guys on the court and the guys you know giving guys towels on the bench like i think we won't we won't know because we all thought that that rosas was that guy (laughs) two you know two years ago one year ago six months ago we thought he was that guy like but not everyone is a 
an asshole and, and, you know, borderline kind of monstrous executive. Like, but I think that the, the Gupta having that experience and knowing what didn't work will probably help him implement what does work in the future. Yeah. I mean, I think too, it's important that like he understands, he already understands how all of these guys work. Um, and he right. understands how they all fit together. I think like if Gupta was handed this job and he created his own front office, like, yeah, he may have good relationships with all the guys that he brings in, like, uh, you know, but, but at the same time, like he may not understand, like, how does this guy work with, you know, work with this woman or how does this guy work with this guy or this woman work with this woman? Like, you know what I mean? Um, and so being able to understand those relationships and the dynamic between not just him and the people who are now working for him, um, but also how those people interact with each other and saying like, okay, person A would work well with D and B has a really, really good relationship with C. So like we can have them, you know, tag team this, or this guy has a background here. Or this woman has a background here. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's important and could be really you know, beneficial in hitting the ground running. Um, and, you know, I haven't heard a bad word about Sachin Gupta in the entire time that he's been here um, from from anybody, you know, that has talked to people that would then relay that information on to me. I have not, I have not heard a bad word about him. Um, and, and I think that matters, man. Um, you know, I, like, I can't say the same about Rosas, um, you know, even like earlier on, I, I can't say the same about Rosas. And uh, in, in, in reality, like when you have guys like Gupta and, and Finch who are, who are just really nice down to earth guys who just understand how to treat other people and understand also the basketball element of this thing, which is you know, obviously paramount. Um, you know, I, th- I think that at, at the very least, like, maintaining status quo of not just being a dumpster fire is is a completely fair expectation and frankly as low as the bar should be um because i know that you know given both of their backgrounds and what we've already seen from each of them in their time here um that you know they they know what they're doing and when you have people in in place that know what they're doing um I, i think that that more often than not yields um yields fruitful fruitful situations and um yeah and i and i guess that you know we'll see if if it bears fruit um but but yeah i mean i i said this on on twitter yesterday um i work full-time in data analytics and and marketing and so given that background that, that gupta has i'm really excited to see how you know analytics may influence um you know, may influence the way that the Timberwolves play. Um, because, you know, I, I think that as more numbers come out, like Rosas was all about pace, right? And I I think Stan Van Gundy might have tweeted this yesterday, two days ago, that like like more than half of the top like seven teams and and, and almost all the top five teams were bottom of the like bottom half of the league in pace. And some of them are like bottom seven in the league in pace. And we're still incredibly efficient. And so, you know, I, I'd be surprised if, um, or excuse me, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that's something that we see change. We see, you know, Rosas lean into the mid-range a little bit more um, and kind of allow guys to to play their games and, and be their most efficient. Um, because, you know, what's the most efficient on, you know, paper in a spreadsheet 
as a blanket for everybody isn't where I'm the most efficient or where you're the most efficient or where Delo's the most efficient or cat or ant. So, I, I mean, achieving maximum efficiency there is like getting guys in spots where they're comfortable. And I think analytics have always proven that it doesn't matter where on the floor that is, as long as you can be efficient at that spot. And I think with Rosas, yeah. some of that kind of got lost in, you know, the banishment of, of the mid range and, and almost wrecking Culver in the sense that like, they didn't let him play his game at all. It was like, you got to play this way and you can't play this way. So you're not going to play. Like, it's just, I think that, that that's like, I don't think you're going to see something like that happen again. And one of the things that I think they were already taking a step towards to, to slow the pace of the entire game and therefore slow the pace of their offense specifically is transition defense. I think if you if you can play, get other teams to play in the half court more often, you can stop it from being just an up and back game all game. And how many times have we seen those games where it's just end to end all night, and the Timberwolves are scoring one hundred and twenty five, and the other team scoring one hundred and thirty five? Like that that starts with transition defense and and not letting the game be a be an under ten second shot clock kind of game. Uh, I think that the Finch has obviously gone on record multiple times and spoken about how transition defense is a key to them. And then um, Elson Turner kind of came in and he made that point as well, that transition defense needs to be the, the top priority. I think that that's really important. And the other thing is, in terms of pace, is that this team can play at a slower pace because they can win in the half-court offensively. You have a half-court mastermind. Yeah, they haven't Finch. Yeah, like you said, Finch loves to to run sets and to just to just put people in places that work in the half court. And then you have the pieces as well. Like Anthony Edwards is you obviously want him getting up and back in transition, but very good at getting to the rim in in the half court. Jonathan Towns is one of the best half court players in the league. Like all of his points are coming in the half court pretty much. And then you have guys like D'Angelo Russell, who again, like he, he's good if he can get out in tra- in, in transition and, and make plays for others. But most of his scoring now is going to come from from the half court, and, and the same goes for Malik Beasley if you can get him going in half court sets that as a kind of like pressure valve, you know, relief valve shooter. Like all of that, I think will work in in Gupta's favor because I think that he will want to come in and change the status quo. I don't think he'll want to shift the whole organization into something else but just to just come in and, and tweak the things that Rosas was so strict on um I wonder how how much first of all this means in terms of the power forward position like is there a chance that that now a big guy is more available to to come in and play a, a too big or a semi too big kind of lineup and even even if that's Nas Reed like will Nas Reed get more minutes as the power forward or as the center next to Towns this season, just just due to not having the pressure from from the higher ups to to play small and fast and and, and have lots of shooting on the floor and be able to run guys off the court. Um, I, yeah, I wonder about that, and then I and then I wonder about D'Angelo Russell and how how he's viewed. Maybe this might be the most intriguing thing to me is like I wonder what, and we don't know, we're not a fly on the wall, but I wonder what Gupta thinks of D'Angelo Russell the way that um, the rest of the front office or that Rosas thought because Rosas absolutely adored Russell like and there was they didn't want to move him for Simmons they I'm sure they would have if the if the chance came up but like 
Russell was the star next to Towns. I wonder if Gupta thinks that as well. Like, or does Gupta think in that analytic sense? And when you look at the analytics and you look at the metrics that are available, like, D'Angelo Russell is not a star. And in many cases, and, and we're both D'Angelo Russell believers, I think, um, but he's not the guy that, that wins you games on, on the spreadsheet. Uh, and I wonder if he just becomes a little bit more available or if, or if they're a little bit more flexible in terms of how they view him and whether Anthony Edwards, probably rightly so, just just takes over that mantle as the second as the second piece. Like, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, that one surprised me. And I mean, I think Anthony Edwards will be the second piece. Um, you know, I don't think there's any doubting that. I mean, I think it was fairly evident that he was even when D'Lo came back and was fully healthy. Um, you know, I think D'Lo being able to really pick his spots, um, you know, kind of like based on how the defense reacts to to playing Ant and Cat, I, I think is is really good. Because like D'Lo is a really high level scorer. When he gets to his spots and he can consistently get open looks, like he's going to score and he's going to do it efficiently for the most part. Um, and so I think that you'll see a more optimized version of D'Angelo Russell in the offense um, if he is on the team. But, you know, I, I wouldn't shock me at all if, if like, you, like you referenced, that a lot of that, um, you know, D'Angelo Russell smoke in terms of how high they are on him and how much they want to keep him um, – you know, really stems from, from Rosas. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me one bit if, if Gupta, who was in Philadelphia when they drafted Ben Simmons, number one overall, um, is much higher on, you know, is much higher on, uh, on Simmons relative to Russell and feels that Russell is a fair price to pay if that's what it means to, to get Ben Simmons. Um, I personally think it's a fair price to pay. I think most people who, have actually seen Ben Simmons play basketball um, and not just seen him play like in one game or two games of the Eastern Conference Final. He was still really good in the playoffs last year. Um, you know, I, I I don't think it's – I mean, I, I don't know how it's defensible to say you'd rather have D'Angelo Russell than Ben Simmons. Um, let's just break it down. Um, ben Simmons is the best defensive player in the NBA. D'Lo isn't even in the top 25 in terms of best offensive players in the NBA. And he's one of the worst 25 defensive players in the NBA. And Ben Simmons is an above average to good to great offensive player. And without even shooting, he's that impactful offensively. So, I mean, when you just look at it in that context, like, it's it's tough to really defend D'Lo as like D'Lo being the sticking point in that trade. Like, yeah, obviously in like a great world, like great perfect world, does does D'Lo, Cat, Simmons, Ant sound awesome? Yeah, it does. But when you have to pay Ant his max contract in three years, like, and you also have to worry about Russell only having two years left on his contract. Like, you'd have to trade Russell anyways. Why not just bite the bullet and trade him now? And, and potentially try and hold on to like a Jaden McDaniels if you can trade like three first round picks or, you know, or hold on to like a couple extra first round picks if the only other person that you'd have to put in there would be like Jake Lehman and Jaden McDaniels. You know, then you can keep Malik Beasley and Torian Prince and Patrick Beverly, who still work as great salary fillers, especially Beasley, if things don't work out. Um, you know, the way that you wanted it to and you want to make another move. So, 
Um, you know, yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if D'Lo becomes less of a sticking point now. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, you know, I think we've both been operating in this holding pattern of like, we expect Simmons not to get traded here. And, um, and I think with D'Lo, it's, it's good either way, because like, I think he'll be a much better optimized, you know, much more optimized version of himself offensively, especially, um, if he stays here, um, and we'll get the best of D'Angelo Russell we've seen in the Timberwolves uniform. And if he goes, that means you're getting Ben Simmons. Um, the problem so with like, D'Lo is that he's ne- even an optimized version of himself isn't worth $30 million. Like, that's, no, that is the problem no. with it. If he was getting paid $20 million, he'd be an absolutely fine player to have on any team. And I'm sure Philly would be more inclined to take him. But he's just not worth the max contract. And that's, I think, where Gupta and, and Rosas maybe differ is that, that Gupta sees that that contract can tank a player's value, whereas Rosas was just so steadfast in his belief of of Russell that no matter what, he was going to try and convince... If he wasn't going to convince the rest of the league that he was a star and that he was a max contract, second best player on a good team kind of guy, like he was going to convince himself. And I think he had convinced himself. And I think that he was trying to you know blow as much smoke up, up D'Angelo Russell's ass as he could just to get... to get that, that standing around the league that he had in in Rosas' own mind. And I'd be shocked if not I I won't be shocked if Russell's here to begin with. I'll be I won't even be surprised. I think that that is the very much the likely scenario that, that both Russell is on the Timberwolves and that Ben Simmons isn't on the Timberwolves to start the season or or maybe, you know, completely. But I'd be shocked if Russell doesn't now become kind of a, a priority on, on Gupta's list of, of things that need to be sorted out fairly quickly. That doesn't mean this season, but it means that, that Russell isn't the star player that's going to take you to a championship. He's a guy that eventually needs to be, like his situation needs to be figured out, whether that's trade him, whether that's, you know, see out the contract and, and let him go, see out the contract and re-sign him to a smaller deal. Like all those options are there, but I think that's now a priority to to at least keep it on the whiteboard and something that needs to be done. Whereas Rosas, I think, was just so enamored with, with Russell that it kind of didn't matter what what he was in reality. It was it was all about what he was in Rosas' mind. And that that was always kind of something that I guess we knew and didn't really talk about that much because it was just what it was. But now that you hear all this other shit about Rosas and, and it all comes to, to the light of day, it makes sense that he was like this about Russell because it seemed like he was like this about everything in the organization that he believes. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I think it's also a bold assumption to just like assume that that Philadelphia wants D'Angelo Russell to begin with. Like, yeah, do you want to pay seventy three million dollars in one year to Tobias Harris? I know I sure as hell don't. Or excuse me, seventy three million dollars to Tobias Harris and D'Angelo Russell. Like, I know I sure. Yeah, as I wouldn't hell pay seventy three just to Tobias. Tobias yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's late <laughs> here. It's ten thirty. Um, yeah, I mean. No, I know that I wouldn't want to do that. And, and you know, like like we've heard, I, I think like, you know, when, when you think about all these different trade machinations, like, you know, like everybody wants to try and find like a one-to-one match with like these two teams. And is it possible? Yes. Are there things that could make it work for both sides? Yes. But the reality of the situation is any Simmons trade that gets done is going to be a three-team, three-team deal. And... um or more. I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe, you know, Gupta just goes bananas and has a bonkers trade like we saw at the trade deadline <laughs> a couple of years ago. Um, well, he's the one. I think but, he's the one doing the legwork on these trades. Oh, he for sure. I is. think he's always sure been is. doing the legwork. And when you when you read in this athletic article by by John and by Shams that like agents and and executives and you know, people around the league were fed up with Rosales' tactics because it was bleeding through to his conversations with with them, with executives and with other players. Like, it just, it makes sense why Minnesota can't get these deals across the line or haven't been. And they, and that's partly to do with other things, including or across, Minnesota's market. Or across the line without giving up way more than they should. Right. And it makes sense why they haven't used the fucking mid-level exception in three years. Because like this stuff gets around, and when if if the the undercurrent around the league is that Rosas is a little bit of a nutcase and he's kind of difficult to deal with, like players know that if players are choosing between the exact same mid-level exception salary between you know, Phoenix and Minnesota, they're going to choose Phoenix, and not just because Phoenix wins, but because like. It seems like a more steady organization. Phoenix might not be a good example because they also have a kind of weird owner and stuff. But like, you get what I mean. It's just that like, like all ever all of these little things that we brush to the side and that we explained away with other things make a lot more sense right now. That that it kind of was just a lot of it was Rosas and and the way he was operating. Yeah, I mean, I that's why I said too. Like, I think you know it's a little bit of addition by subtraction. I think. Um, if not a lot of addition by subtraction, potentially now that we know a lot more about, you know, what's gone on behind the scenes. Um, and, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see like how much leeway would the, is the front office going to give Gupta? Like, are they going to be cool with Gupta putting his nuts on the table, so to speak, and saying, Hey, like, like goes walks into Glenn's office and is like and gets a conference call with him and Mark Morey and is like, hey, 
I can get Ben Simmons right now in one phone call for this, this, and this. Are like, are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting if they let him even get to that point. Like, you know, Doogie Wolfson has said that you know this is a legitimate audition. Like, they're going to give him the space to to do his thing. Like, it's pretty awkward, I think, for a guy like him to be in that spot and make a humongous. You know, franchise decision that could ultimately impact not just Cat's prime, but also Ant's prime. And like you're mortgaging both of those things in a sense, potentially, to to, to trade for Ben Simmons. And it, it's gonna be really fascinating to me how much the front office or excuse me, how much the ownership group kind of allows Goop to 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 cook. I mean, if it were me, I would say let the chef cook. Like when the chef is in the kitchen, like let him cook and get out of his way. Um, And that's, that's what I hope happens. It's just, it's, I mean, could you imagine being in his shoes right now? I mean, not obviously just for like strictly in the Simmons sense. Yeah. I lean less towards them getting Simmons now, not because I think that they don't want him as much or that Dupta doesn't have the, the capabilities and the relationships around the lead to get him, but just because of what you said, like, to go and move three or four first-round picks or to move, you know, a, a really intriguing guy coming off his rookie contract, like, uh, coming off his rookie year, sorry. Like, it takes a lot of nuts to go and do that when you're when you're in an interim position. Like, and if it doesn't work, and, and to be fair, I don't know how it would not work immediately. Like, from, from this season, it feels like, Simmons couldn't his stock couldn't get any worse and I don't think he's like the Timberwolves are going to come out with Simmons and be worse than the 23 win team they were last season like it's almost a win-win it's almost a no loss situation if you can acquire Simmons at all but if the worst happened not only does he not get the job with Minnesota but his resume is tainted forever a resume that doesn't even have uh, a lead executive role on it yet like it's not like he's a guy who's been through these other stops and had really good stops in some places he hasn't done so well and and you know he'll get another job eventually like the if you if you implode a Timberwolves franchise that is bordering on implosion by itself already like that's a real stain on your resume man so like that's why I think maybe and maybe that works the other way maybe he thinks like this franchise is going to implode if I don't make the big move. But I don't know. I just think it takes a lot of cojones to to go and, and move multiple future assets when you might not be in a job in three months, like when, when your job isn't even cemented yet. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Um, and I think, you know, I think the, the ownership group's belief in him will be rooted in, you know, what plays out over the next week. I mean, Sam Amico is – he works for Clay Travis and Outkick. Um, so that right off the bat tells you that he's probably a bit of a lunatic. And, you know, a lot of people <laughs> have said that he's not a very reliable source. But, I mean, he did say today um, that, you know, he expects that Ben Simmons will be traded in the next week. Um, as we sit here right now, it's 1040 Central Time on Thursday night on September, what is this, 23rd. Um so who knows? That would put it at like day three, the end of day three of Sixers camp. Same thing in Minnesota. Um, I, I find it hard to believe that the 76ers don't try and drag this thing out to at least the first game of the regular season. But I could be wrong. Um, 
And so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just going to, I mean, we'll have an answer, I think, in the next, like, two weeks. Um, yeah. With with kind of, like, let me say this. I think we'll have a, a strong update on the Ben Simmons situation in the next two weeks. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and I think obviously, like if it's a trade, then we'll know about Gupta. And if it's not a trade, then you know, then maybe it's it's just more of a waiting game. Yeah. Uh, before I let you go, you've given me plenty of time for for late over there, and I know you just got off another podcast, just doing the the media rounds at the moment, like the, the superstar <laughs> that you are. Um, how much do you read into the cat tweet and, like, what's your opinion on the cat tweet? That's probably the one thing that I guess, like, it was like a little a little tremor around the, the fan base when, when Rosas got sacked and then when cat piled on top of it with the with the WTF tweet, that felt like a full-blown fucking earthquake, you know? Like, it felt like the walls were caving in at that stage. So, like, what do you make of it at the time? What do you make of it now? Like, does it worry you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, th- there were some things that that I knew um, pretty pretty shortly after um, pretty shortly after you know Rosas's firing was announced, um, and so it when Cat tweeted what he said. Um, Sorry, just to cut you off, when did he tweet? I was asleep. Obviously, I'm in Australia, so I'm asleep through all of this. I woke up at six a.m. to go to work, and I got the whole news cycle all at once. Like, did Kat tweet that immediately after after Gers? Like, or was it you know, yeah, later? So, like, So, Carl tweeted WTF at 2.22 and Sham Sharania tweeted that Gerson Rosas was being relieved of his duties at 2.09. So... Oh, so immediate, Virtually immediately. It was virtually immediately. So, I, I mean, I was pretty shocked that Kat hadn't known even despite you know a few tidbits that i had um just because i I, you know like glenn taylor drove up from mankato that morning like i I would have thought that glenn taylor like on the way maybe would have been like hey cat i'm on the way up to minnesota right now uh things are kind of fucked up here's what happened this is what's going to happen you know, so like expecting I, Glenn Taylor, to, expecting Glenn Taylor to do the competent thing was where you went wrong there. I, whatever, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't read too much into it. Um, you know, Doogie Wilson tweeted, I don't know if it was today or last night. It's all blurred together for me. Um, that, um, you know, that it, it doesn't impact Cat whatsoever, and that you know. It, just looking at how Cat handled the Saunders firing with such grace, um, he didn't have the same relationship with Rosas that he had with the Saunders family and especially Ryan. Um, and you know, I, I mean, Cat Cat is legitimately about family, um, and he's proven that time and time again. And you know, I I I think Cat understands. Um, there's no way he I doesn't. Think if he, I think if he went back in time after he learned the full extent of of what happened, and, and I'm sure he still would have wanted to be kept in the loop. I think it's bizarre that he wasn't kept in the loop, and he, maybe even bizarre that he didn't know, you know, that there was some sort of discontent to begin with. But I think if he had his time back, he probably wouldn't tweet that if he knew the circumstances because like you said, you know, like Kat is an is an upstanding guy and a family guy and, and a, a loyal guy 
to both the Timberwolves and to his relationships outside of the Timberwolves. So I think he would probably want that back. I don't think he would still be impressed by the news or the the fact that he wasn't told before it you know hit his Twitter screen. But yeah, I, I think the the cat trade rumors and you know Warriors fans trying to get us to take back Andrew Wiggins. It's that's all a bit premature. That, I don't think Anthony Town is asking for a trade right now. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, and the other thing too that I think about it is like if John Krasinski or Britt or Dane or Chris, Jace, whoever, Doogie knew about just that this front office was littered with tension, discord, distrust, um, you know, you name it. There is no way that the most important person at 600 Hennepin Avenue didn't know about it and didn't know yeah. like multiple sides of the story and and didn't know and wasn't able to make his own read on the situation based on the information that he had been presented from, you know, any other members of the front office or the business office or, or whomever it is that that he has relationships with and would talk to on a, you know, on a consistent basis. You know what I mean? So Maybe the what the fuck was just at the news that he heard. Not at Derson Rose is getting fired. Yeah, just like, what the fuck what, is going on? Like, what? why? Yeah, like, and, or just like, like, what the fuck are you doing, Gerson? Was it you a know, why like, the fuck? Not a what the fuck. Yeah. Was it a why the fuck? <laughs> was um, it a who the fuck? <laughs> yeah, and so I, I, I just wanted to, to add in one, one more thing um, just before we go. Um, Dan Devine uh, is a fantastic writer for TheRinger.com. Um, Absolutely. Wrote, wrote a piece on, on you know, Gerson Rose is being dismissed uh, today on, on Thursday, and I would strongly encourage everybody to go check it out. But um, and I tweeted this out. So if you want to read along as, um, you know, as I as I'm reading this, go for it. My Twitter handle is at J.R.B.R. or at J.R.Borman13. So J.R.B.O.R.M.A.N. 13. Um so Dan Devine had just a perfect dismount from, from this article that he wrote. Um, he, he says here, we'll all learn together whether Gupta is the right person for the job, but the former Daryl Morey lieutenant is a widely respected exec who came to prominence as the developer of ESPN's trade machine, lent a helping hand in many of Sam Hinkie's deals during his days with the Sixers, and was in the running for the Kings job that went to Monty McNair last offseason. He also reportedly believes, quote, uh, and Finch as the coach the team needs, end quote, suggesting that should he stay in charge for a bit, there won't be yet another mid midstream coaching change. Give Finch a full complement of healthy wolves for the first time in years. Let a new voice lead the organization and hopefully drain out some of the bad blood that's been pooling and see where the chips fall in the ongoing absurdity that is the standoff between Simmons and the Sixers. And this could be the, and this could be less the continuation of a vicious cycle of bullshit and, at long last, the start of something better. You'd be forgiven for viewing that possibility skeptically, given how things have tended to shake out in Minnesota over the past couple of decades. At this point, though, it's what towns, the wolves, and their fans have to hang their hats on. Because, I'm, because without it, I mean, what the fuck, right? <laughs> because well, without it i mean just... what the fuck right is just a perfect <laughs> perfect way to ride off into the sunset of that article 
I mean, they, they, instead of listening to this podcast, you probably could have just read that last two paragraphs and save yourself forty-five minutes. Like, because no, that's, I mean, but at least kind of what we're what we're getting at here is that like this is shit and weird, and it's it's normal for you to think that the Timberwolves dysfunction is just the Timberwolves thing, and fuck it, you know, I, I agree with that. Like, we're the ones who we leave it more than. More than most, I think. Like we we don't get to switch off and and stop worrying about this team. And Born like, into like many it, people who buy it. Yeah, yeah. But you know, getting rid of shitty people who are doing shitty things is a good thing, no matter what time it is. And that's what I'm gonna. That's you know the overarching uh, kind of storyline for me is that if if Gerson Rosas was doing shitty things and was was cheating on his on his wife in public and was doing all the, the messy stuff that, that you've probably heard about by now, it's like getting rid of that guy is a good thing. And I don't wanna I don't I don't wanna hear anything else because if the as long as the team's there, as long as Finch is there, as long as Cat is has bought in, as long as his team can stay healthy, I'm just as excited excited as I was. This is just a weird little Timberwolvesy blip on, on the radar for me. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and I just hope that it doesn't influence the way that, that they allow Sachin Hoop to, to work. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he's he's damn smart. Uh, he's, he's got the resume of, of somebody that would be a, a coveted person to run front office. Um, and, you know, and for me, um, I really hope that, that they don't have training wheels on him because he, he's been on... You know, all as many sides of the negotiation table in a trade as you can possibly be on, um, and he's he's probably hatched a million different trade possibilities, gone through that process, successfully made a trade, understood to give, the take, the negotiations, all of it, and and for me that that's ultimately gonna gonna decide my confidence in the future of the franchise. Um, if there's something that comes out that that is a strong support of of Sachin Gupta um, in terms of letting him work. Uh, I'm going to be very, very encouraged. Um, I'd imagine that that comes more from Mark Laurie than it does from from Glenn Taylor, um, given that, you know, he's going to be the full-time guy in two years. And like you said, like two years is an incredibly short time as, as an executive. And, um, and that's all Gerson Rose has got. Um, and, and, you know, Mark Laurie is going to be the guy that ultimately decides who to bring in because two years from now, hopefully that executive is still around and it'll be along for, be around for a long time. And it's not often you get an opportunity to audition like this. And if you want to be somebody like Mark Laurie is, who's all about VCP, vision, capital, and people. And if you're, and if you have a vision and Sasha Gupta shares that vision you obviously have the capital and in, in terms of the ammo to make a Simmons trade. And, and if you feel like you've got the right people in place with, with Gupta and Chris Finch and Kat and Ant, um, then just say, fuck it. We ball. <laughs> like, let, let, I'm gonna leave, I'm, let him cook, I'm gonna leave it at that. Let him cook. I'm going to leave it at that. My okay, mindset is, fuck them, we ball. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you know, I... I'm very excited for what Gupta can do. Um, he has more than earned the the opportunity to to be where he is, and and I hope that that folks um, don't lose sight of the humanity of this, how it's affected um, 
five kids um, cha- has changed yeah. their lives forever. Um, the two spouses that were involved um, on, on on the outside of it, um, and and two that like you look at all the people in the Timberwolves organization that you have put in an awkward spot, whose lives have been incredibly difficult day to day, dealing with all the shit that's come from it. Um, it it's it's time to turn a new leaf, and like you said, it, it's a it's a good thing. The organization got rid of two people who by by accounts that are out there now were objectively not good people and mm-hmm. um and do with that as you will but i think the organization has has three really fantastic people and mark lori sachin gupta and chris finch um call it five if you if you enjoy cat and, and anthony edwards i know i sure do um and i'm excited to see what those five um come up with in the next few weeks because there's no time to wallow in this bullshit. Um, there's not. Media Day is Monday. Training camp starts Tuesday. First preseason game is in a week, two weeks. Um, there, there's no time to wallow in it. It's time to get back to work. Time to get back to basketball. Um, fuck and we, I can't wait. Fuck we ball. <laughs> um, before we go, give us a plug for for whatever's coming up on Kane Supers and, and what have you got? What have you got in store for us? Yeah, so um, so right now, um, you know, I, I've I've been working on I've been working on the Ben Simmons piece. Um, so so that's something that it will not get dropped until he it's is like a- an annual. It's an annual piece these days. Yeah, <laughs> an mean, annual Ben Simmons bonanza. I mean, yeah, so um, so I'm working on a piece that that would drop. Um, if he were to get traded here, if he doesn't get traded here, I'm not going to drop it. Um, so I'm working on that a little bit, um, or I've worked on that this week. Um, but, but yeah, after, after I hang up this pod, this will be the last Timberwolves thing I do probably until either Simmons is traded or the link season is over. So, um, so yeah, so once the season starts, you know, it'll be just be normal, you know, column coverage for me, but um, in the meantime, um, I'll be breaking down on um, the Lynx matchup with with whomever they end up playing on Sunday in, in the quarterfinals of the WNBA playoffs. Um, right now, if if things hold, it looks like that could be the New York Liberty, um, who they've already beaten at Target Center twice in the last um, in, in the last month um, and done so handily. Um, so I'll be breaking down that matchup. That should drop, I would think, on Sunday, um, if not Saturday. Um, and then, uh, after that, um, you know, it'll just be general links coverage, you know, hopefully they, they keep going all the way through to, to the WNBA finals and, and bring home title number five. Um, but, but until that point, um, it, it's going to be links coverage from, from me at Canis. And, um, and then after that, um, I'm hoping to, to get into writing, um, you know, one, if not, if not two things a week for, um, for, for Canis on, on the Wolves side. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. For, for the Lynx playoffs, um, but, but I'm excited too to, to have, to have Wolves basketball back, um, back in the fold as well. Beautiful. Um, so you can head over to Tana Supers, as you probably know, to check that out. Uh, head over to housandbrows.substack.com to check out my work. I've been writing about Rosas and the good and the bad and all that ugly shit that's, that's going on for the last few hours. And I'll, and I'll, have that out i'm sure by the time anyone's listening to this so head over subscribe get newsletters get it in your email box all that good shit um jack thank you for coming on thank you for always giving up an hour of your time for me and 
you know, we'll do this again when, when the wolf season starts up and when, when we get some more interesting little tidbits. Anytime, my brother. Pleasure is all mine, and uh, and hopefully the uh, the next time we speak, we'll have uh, we'll have some some damn good Anthony Edwards uh, <laughs> Anthony Edwards content to break down. So I'm I'm looking forward to it, and um, and just and blown away by by everything you you've accomplished and, and you've done since 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 you spread your wings and, and flown a coop, and um, and I, I get smarter every day from. From reading your stuff, so I I can't wait to see to see what type what type of heat you uh you bring once once we have some live <laughs> basketball uh, in store for you. So yeah, uh, I'm running out of content, so I need <laughs> I need the basketball to start. And shout I'm out scraping the- and shout out to vaccines in Australia finally getting down there. Yes. So hopefully yes, hopefully you guys am- can can get back to normal life um, in in some short order here. I'm half jabbed, so that's good. I'll get my second in about a month. So, yes, back to normal. I'll be back in the States hopefully soon and, you know, um, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go from there. So, yeah, thanks, man, and, and everyone else. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next week.